0: Let's take our seats. Oh, we already have. <laughs> the message today is spelt J-E-S-U-S. We're going to have a look at Jesus. The idea for the sermon started with uh, the intention of asking the question put by Jesus to his disciples, who do you say that I am? On the 18th of November last year, you all remember this, we looked at Jesus the Messiah. Well, the topic has grown to Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the man, his ministry, his message and his mission. Can we do it in a day? Don't fret, I mean just a 30-minute Sunday sermon. It's going to be a bird's-eye view, so let's fly. See how far we can get today. Firstly, I want to recap on Jesus the Messiah. What does Messiah mean? The Christ, the anointed one. Uh, It infers God's son, the saviour. So we go to Matthew 16 and read verses 13, 14 and 15. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Crazy. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Peter's answer, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now this revelation is confirmed by Gabriel, the archangel, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, the angels in the field of Bethlehem, Simeon, the dear righteous old man who was told he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah, John the Baptist, James the brother of Jesus, Thomas the disciple of Jesus, demons who would shout, we know who you are, you're the son of God, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And the centurion who guarded the crucifixion site. All confirmed Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. I wonder if that's enough confirmation for us, but here's the big one God Himself. We know at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven. This is God's voice Himself You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry, on the Mount of Transfiguration, either Mount Hermon or Mount Tabor, we don't know which, again, a bright cloud enveloped, Peter, James, John and Jesus, Moses and Elijah appeared and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Jesus himself, he gave us many clues to who he was when he said, I am Remembering that I am is the name God gave himself, just tell the Egyptians, I am has sent you. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Jesus said, what a clue. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the truth, the way and the life. Jesus is just revealing to us that it's the name of God. He's saying, I am the Son of God, I am the Messiah. When he was arrested and tried, he was asked by Caiaphas, the high priest, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus replied, it is as you say. Matter settled? No, some may argue talk talk is cheap. We need more than just people saying you're the Christ. So two other facts that I believe support Jesus' credential as the Christ, the Messiah. Firstly, I say his measure. He measured up to Old Testament prophetic words referring to the Messiah and fulfilled in Jesus. I understand there are over 300 prophetic words in the Old Testament, but 35 major words of prophecy fulfilled in Jesus. An example of five. Born in Bethlehem, teacher of parables, betrayed by a friend, crucified with thieves, Buried in a rich man's tomb. Now, for those of you that like science, here is a statement of scientific fact. The science of probability rules out coincidence in one man fulfilling these Old Testament prophecies. It couldn't have just happened by chance. It wasn't. God has his hand in it. Secondly, his miracles. Jesus was a miracle worker like no other. He healed sick people in abundance. He performed miracles over nature. He walked on water, fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, calmed a storm with just a word. He spoke the word and nets filled with fish. And of course, he rose from the dead. Jesus said himself, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. My conclusion, Jesus was and is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. But let's just have a look at Jesus the man. What was his manner? What sort of person was Jesus? In Aussie colloquial, what sort of a bloke was he? Was the Messiah the Christ, someone that we'd like? Let the scripture tell us the story. I'm not giving you the scripture references, but this is what the Bible says. He's described as being full, full. He's full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and full of truth. What does grace mean? It means kindness. It means love. It's full of goodness, favor, and liberty, liberality. Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but served. He had the heart of a servant. He described himself as being gentle and humble of heart. He was described as being a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors were not liked. They had joined with the Romans. The Jews didn't like them. Jesus was their friend. He was the friend of sinners. He wants to be everyone's friend. He always spoke the truth. In the Gospel of Matthew alone, 30 times in addressing people, he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. He was full of grace and truth. When speaking to the Roman governor Pilate, Jesus said, Pilate, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate responds by saying, What is truth? You see, I think Pilate knew that the world was filled with lies and liars. And so he says, oh, Jesus, what is truth? The answer, Jesus. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey colt. It speaks of humility, meekness, gentleness, not muscle, might or gloating. This scripture in Hebrews is rather emotive. It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. These words speak of Jesus' Jesus' humanity. He was emotional. He was stretched almost beyond the limit at times. We can relate to him. He can relate to us. Nearing his arrest and subsequent crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read that he began to be deeply distressed and troubled and said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. And he actually asked Peter, James and John, he said, come with me guys, I need you to pray with me. I'm struggling. He understands our humanity. He understands our joy and our sorrow. Jesus said to a crowd, can any of you prove me of committing any sin, no one could. He was sinless. What an example. I think I've left to last Jesus' greatest character quality. His heart was just filled with love. He said, love each other as I have loved you. He said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And we know he did that. And I believe that as, as we look to him uh, and, and, and we, we look to him with a good attitude, we become his friends. I believe he was a likeable and lovely man. And so we can sing with purpose and passion. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let the words of Paul speak to us. We've got them. Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. What a beautiful man. What a wonderful friend to have. Someone that understands our humanity, understands us in our joy and our pain. Next, Jesus' ministry. Let's look at how he ministered. Let's look at the minister, the method of his ministry. And I see three Steps in how he ministered. And they are steps that flow from each other. Steps one, two and three. This is what they are. Prayer, care and share. Firstly, prayer. His priority was always prayer. He prayed when his ministry began. Very early in the morning, Mark 1, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary pray, place where he prayed. Early in the morning, in the dark, he got up and prayed. He prayed as his ministry was nearing an end. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Prayer was foundational to Jesus' ministry. We read, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent all night in praying to God. We read, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. We've already mentioned the scripture in Hebrews. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. Jesus' prayers were passionate. The scripture goes on to say, he was heard because of his reverent submission. The message translation says, Slurring my words. Because he honoured God, God answered him. Boy, that's loaded for us, guys. Prayer, passionate. Because we honour God, God will answer our prayers. Let me quote Philip Yancey in his book, Prayer. The chapter heading, coming together. There's a story in that itself. What is prayer? It's coming together. Yancey writes, prayer is keeping company of God, with God. Jesus set the pattern for prayer as a continuous mode of friendship. And Paul tells us later, pray without ceasing. That means doesn't mean you're on your knees like that. It just means that you're you're with God and you're aware of him and you're thinking about him. and, And the wonderful thing about that is if we're asked to pray without ceasing, you know what that means? God's listening without ceasing. For spiritual nourishment, Jesus relied on prayer. Jesus counted on prayer as a source of strength that equipped him to carry out a partnership with God the Father on earth. Boy, we should read that a hundred times. Jesus freely admitted his dependence. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. The way Jesus talked, prayer made everything possible. And what is prayer? Spending time with God. Let's move on from prayer to step number two, which is care. Jesus didn't pray, preach, heal, hang out with people, lead to strut his stuff, to show how good he was, or to win their vote, which is a bit topical. He did these things because he cared. He cared for people. His motivation was always love. He said, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Remain in my love, remain in my love. Message translation, make yourself at home in my love. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. He was speaking these words to his disciples, but if we're followers of Jesus, we're his friends. He laid down his life for us. He actually laid down his life for everyone. Jesus' ministry demonstrated not the love of power but the power of love not the love of power but the power of love and he was a man of compassion compassion means feeling of concern for others matthew 9:36 when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and and We've read this emotion welled up in Jesus many times as he looked at the crowd. Not only did he care for the crowd, but he cared for individuals. The Bible says he loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus. He cried at Lazarus' grave and I think he wasn't so much crying because Lazarus was dead because he knew he wouldn't be dead in just a few moments. He was crying as he saw the emotion of those that were hurting and in pain. He was crying for how we live in a fallen world and there are things that happen that make us cry as people. He cared for blind Bartimaeus as he entered Jericho. Bartimaeus is shouting out, Jesus of Nazareth. And the people said, shut up, Bartimaeus. Jesus said, you shut up. Bartimaeus come to me and he healed him. The rich young man that came and inquired about salvation. It just says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Would have loved to seen his eyes, his face at that time. What about Malchus, the soldier, the Jewish soldier? Peter pulled out his sword in the garden and cut off his ear in anger. Jesus said, Peter, none of that. And he healed the man's ear. We don't read about Malchus, but I reckon he must have become a follower of Jesus. Zacchaeus, tax collector. I've told you about tax collectors. They weren't liked. He's up a sycamore tree. Jesus comes along and says, Zacchaeus, he spoke his name and said, I'd like to have a coffee and a cake with you today. <laughs> Zacchaeus was hated. He heard his name and Jesus said, I want to talk to you. He became a follower of Jesus. Jesus loved the little kids. Little kids are all around there and the disciples type say, shoe fly, shoe fly. Jesus said, let my little kids come to me. We read that. He took them in his arms and blessed them. Let's look and listen to Jesus as he approached Jesus for the last time. We see his care and compassion. Luke 19, 41 and 42. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He's looking at Jerusalem and he wept over it. This is Jesus the Messiah. He's he's weeping. He said... Shoe fly, did you see that? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> there, look. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I was preaching once and this blowfly was bothering me. And I said, like, I'm going to cast it. I said, in Jesus' name, and it came and landed on my finger and sat there. <laughs> this little fly is doing the same trick. Did you see it? I'm not imagining He said to Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, if you even knew, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Quote Philip Yancey, the Jesus I never knew. Jesus was often moved by compassion. In the New Testament times, the very word was used maternally to express what a mother feels for a child in her womb. Jesus went out of his way to embrace the unloved and unworthy, the folks who matter not to all the rest of society, to prove that even nobodies matter infinitely to God. One unclean woman too, too shy and full of shame to approach Jesus face to face, grabbed his robe, hoping he would not notice. He did notice. She learned, like so many other nobodies, that you cannot easily escape Jesus' gaze. Jesus proved in person that God loves people, not as a race or a species, but as individuals. We matter to God. By loving the unlovable, Augustine said, you made me lovable. Jesus' response to suffering people and to nobodies provides a glimpse into the heart of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God is not un- an un- the unmoved absolute, but rather the loving one, who draws near. Just quickly, another perspective on his care. You may be, or others may ask, but what about his harsh words to the religious teachers and the Pharisees? He said, woe to you guys. You're hypocrites, you're blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel, you look beautiful on the outside but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. You snakes, you brood of vipers how does that fit with me saying Jesus cared well my answer is it does fit why the words were true of these religious leaders the people needed to hear the truth about these guys the religious men needed to hear the truth about themselves they needed this wake up call he actually spoke it out of concern for the fact that they were lost in their religion They were lost in their religious hypocrisy. Jesus cared enough about the truth to be willing to comfort, to confront and expose this lie. To wrap up this step, I quote, and you would have heard this one, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So this step leads on to the next Caring empowers sharing. Prayer, care, share. Share what? The good news of God and his love. Jesus' ministry of sharing began after his baptism and then temptation in the desert. He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. We read, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. So we read the words Jesus taught in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But a point worth making under the heading sharing is that, yes, Jesus was a teacher and preacher. He taught in synagogues. He taught on mountainsides. He taught in the valleys. He taught on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. But he taught and shared with people in his everyday encounters. He told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. The woman at the well. He talked to her about salvation, about living water, to worship in spirit and truth. He told the healed leper, he said, you know it's right to say thank you. See, we learn so many lessons about how to live, not from Jesus' sermons, but just from the report of his conversation with individuals. He shared in both meeting place and marketplace, the pulpit and the park, the temple and the track winding back, the steeple and the street corner. See, there's a lesson for us there too. It doesn't all happen here. Heaven's out there in the marketplace. Well, it should. And just a line can change a person's life. doesn't have to be a sermon. How long have I gone? Ten minutes to go. Don't hold me to that. I'll do my best. Two scriptures that speak of Jesus' words. After Je- This is after he's spoken the famous Sermon on the Mountain. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the Lord. They were amazed at his teaching. John 68, the Apostle Peter's summary to Jesus' teaching. He said, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. So here's some good advice. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, Moses and Elijah were there, Peter, James and John were looking Looking on an amazing the bright light and God's voice. I didn't say all God said when I referred to it earlier. He said, "This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased." Do you know what he said then? Yes. He said, "Listen to him." Good, David. He said, "Listen, listen to this guy. He's my son. Listen to him." Jesus' own words. He said, "Come to me, take my yoke." Upon you, and then you know what he said learn from me so here's some good advice for us today listen to and learn from Jesus so that leads us on to the next topic what was the focus of Jesus' message he addressed many matters that relate to life and living and there's a sermon in all of them but do you know what the central theme of his teaching was you can tell me if you like you can be right or wrong This is what it was, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues. We've spoken about that, but I didn't say. Preaching what? The good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. Each gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, make it clear that Jesus constantly spoke of the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. The word kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, appears over a 100 times in the four Gospels in relating to us what Jesus was teaching. What is the kingdom of God? It means the rule of God. Jesus speaks of it as a present reality and also future hope. And he speaks of the kingdom's manifestation in his own person and ministry. The rule of God. Was manifest in Jesus Himself. The message translation calls it the good government of God. Matthew Henry says, The good news of the kingdom refers to the grace and glory of God's rule. An example that we all know well, a line in the Lord's Prayer Your kingdom come. So what's He saying? God, Your rule come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we need your rule. The prayer would answered in parts by God's redeeming, saving activity in and through Jesus. There's still a future outworking of God's kingdom that is coming. You know what? I really believe that we can narrow that down to the rule of God. I believe that the kingdom of God is saying, Wake up, everyone. There is a God. There's a God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise and all-loving. His kingdom is here and it's on its way. There is a God. There is a God. His kingdom is here. It's coming. There's a challenge that that leaves us with. In Jesus' own words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Message translation, change your life. God's kingdom is here. Yes, Jesus shared a lot of other words about life and living that teach us about how to live in the kingdom of God. I can only summarise this teaching today. I've kind of categorised some of his message series under these headings, Jesus' L series. Love God, love people, leave sin out of your life, live to please God, look forward to Jesus' return. Jesus' B series, believe, be born again, be filled with the Spirit, be good, behave, be real, not religious, be loving, be humble, be ready for Jesus' return. And another series is Itty series. His Itty series. Spirituality. Itty. <laughs> the Spirit gives lives. Sincere Blessed are the pure in heart. Priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Morality. Go your way and sin no more. Humility. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Dignity. Love your neighbour as yourself. On Itty. Doesn't fit, does it? Honesty. Don't steal, do not give fault testimony. Reality, I am the truth, the way and the life. i finished this section with Jesus' words. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Hope that's us guys. We need to listen and we need to learn. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Five minutes, his mission. You might say, come on, Dave. Surely we've talked about his mission. Prayer, care, share, teaching about the kingdom of God. Of course, Jesus did minister to our world in those wonderful ways. But his mission was even more focused. You know where I'm going. John the Baptist introduced Jesus' ministry with these words. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Lambs were sacrificed for the sins of the nation. He was going to be sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist identified Jesus' major job description to be the Lamb who sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. And the result being a new beginning for us all and a glorious ending for us all as we put it, our faith in Jesus. Jesus confirmed this was his ultimate mission. It wasn't just John the Baptist. He said the son of man came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He fulfilled his mission perfectly. He died as punishment for our sins. That we would be released from the bondage of sin and death. And the work of the devil. Something that I just noticed. Just this morning, devils are only mentioned, devil, demons, twice in the Old Testament. Jesus comes on the scene, and over 50 times in the New Testament, Jesus casts out demons or demons raise their voices. And and so they were agitated when Jesus came on the scene, they knew their time was up. That just speaks of the power. That was resident Jesus. He was filled with spirit. Demons couldn't handle it. They had to get out of the way. So that ends my look at the life of Jesus. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the man. His methods, his message and his mission. Did you remember, do you remember as I close my thoughts on prayer Hang on, got the wrong bit. Oh. As I close my sermon on Jesus, I understand how John felt as he brought his gospel to a close. John said in his closing words in the gospel, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. There's so much more about Jesus than I've been able to share in 30 minutes today. Paul's words recorded in 1 Corinthians one thirty, share it well. 1 Corinthians one thirty. Everything we have, right thinking, right living, a clean state and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus. My concluding thoughts, what should this mean to us? Next. This is what it should mean. We should simply want to say thank you, Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. We ought to make him our Messiah. If you haven't, why don't you just do it now? There's no special act necessary. Don't have to come to the front. Don't have to put your hand up. Just say, Jesus, I want you to be my saviour. I want you to be my saviour. Say, I've got a lot to learn, but I want to make a start. Like Jesus, we should be decent, likeable, real loving people who tell the truth. Our lifestyle as Christian should reflect Jesus' three steps of ministry, prayer, care and share. Why not accept and rejoice in our forgiveness and cleansing and freedom from sin and death? Rejoice in our relationship as sons and daughters, our Heavenly Father. This is where I made a mistake. Going back in my sermon, when I was talking about prayer, I said when Jesus' ministry was about to come to a close, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, that's not true. Yeah, he did pray. A chapter of his ministry was coming to an end. But his ministry didn't end. He rose from the grave. He's alive. He oversees his church. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I'm going to make sure of that. And one day in the future, he's coming back to make all things new. His request of his church and this local church, the Hills Christian Family Centre, both corporately and individually, that we go into the world and tell people about what he has taught us about the kingdom of God, its present reality and its future hope. And I want to declare it's the best news going. Amen. Amen.